tells us in John 16. It says, ask anything in my name and I will do it so your joy may be full. What a great promise from the Lord. Ask anything so you'll be complete. We all have needs. We all have desires, some hidden that we're even afraid to ask anything according to his will, and he will do it. So there is a little thing there that, you know, we want to ask according to his will, but what do we know his will is? If you're praying for someone for salvation, we know that's his will. The Bible says that Jesus died for the whole world, not just will that uh, everyone is set free from bondage and addiction and prisoned in their own thoughts, maybe. It's God's will that people are healed. So we know the things that we can pray and believe God for, for uh, to answer. Amen? So with our uh, offering, we also take up written prayer requests. So I just want to encourage us today to ask. Ask according to his will. Ask according to, you know, what's in your heart. And don't be afraid to ask big. Ask big and see what God will do. Because even as big as we ask, he says he's able to do far more than that. Far more than we ask or can even think or imagine God is able to do. Amen? So let's ask big today. Let's see things happen. I love that last song, that God is our champion and miracles happen in his name. This is a time in our history where we need to see miracles. We need to see God moving in power. Paul says in Corinthians that uh, the kingdom of God is not just in talk, but in power. In power. And sometimes we forget that. That it's not just talk, but people want to see power, and we need power. Amen? Let's come on up here, men. <laughs> we'll take up our offering. Nothing is impossible with God to those who believe. Let's put our trust and belief in him. As we get ready to pray, uh, this morning I met a visitor who told me his son was in Syria, Green Beret, and I think sometimes we forget about our military. We're so blessed. We don't have a war in our backyard. We don't hear missiles coming over. I heard on the news yesterday, I believe from Syria, Israel received 150 missiles. Into, into Israel. They live with that constant threat of war and the tension that it brings. And we're blessed not to have that, but we got to remember our men and women are still uh, sent out to fight in those areas. So Father, we thank you that you are a great and mighty God. We ask for your protection over the men and women that are out in other parts of the world fighting, Father, and uh, serving. We pray for their families, for peace, for strength, is their home waiting for them? Thank you, Father, that you can put a, a hedge of protection around those that are out in battle. We thank you, Father, you give them wisdom and understanding and strategy for where they are and how to handle situations. We thank you, Father, that you are our protector, that you give us everything we need when we need it, as your word says, that you provide everything we need mentally, spiritually, physically. So thankful, Father, that most of all, you provided Jesus to die for our sins and to allow us into that kingdom life, Lord. And we commit ourselves to you, to him, and to one another. In Jesus' name. Listen, baby, ain't no mountain high, ain't no valley low, ain't no river wide enough, baby, if you need me, come. 
trust. Good morning. You all doing well? Amen. Praise God. It's so good to see you here in the house of God this morning. Um, this morning, I want to honor our pastor. Will you stand up, pastor? Oh, oh, come on. We are blessed. We are blessed to have you in our presence. We're blessed with our pastor. Also this morning, um, if you're in ministry, if you're one of the elders in our church, will you stand up? We'd like to honor you as well. We'd like for the congregation to see who you are. Don't be ashamed. Come on, don't be ashamed. No shame, no shame. All right. Well, this morning, I don't know about you guys, but I am excited to be in the house of God this morning. Amen. I went to bed late last night. God's been speaking to my heart throughout the whole month, throughout the whole week. Um, I'm excited to share what God has for you this morning. Uh, but before I continue, I did see one of our members walk in. Steve Valdez, we, I see you are stand, sitting right out there. I just want to extend our condolences to you as your mother passed. We, our hearts, our prayers are with you. May God's, may God's presence and spirit bring you comfort. So we, we just want to extend our condolences. So if we can all bow our heads and go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before your presence. We thank you this morning for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. I just pray this morning that you would speak into our hearts and speak into our minds. Lord, your word has taught us in James, faith without works is dead. I pray this morning, Lord, that our faith would be an action word, that we would come alive in our actions, in our heart, in our love towards you, Lord. Move us to reach into our community, to be a light to those that have no hope, to those that are in the dark. Let us be your hands. Let us be your voice. Let us see our brothers and sisters as you see them, with no condemnation, extending your love. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, this morning our, my message is entitled, Understanding Our Purpose and Abilities. You know, it's nice to see so many people here. I know there's a lot of first-timers here. We just want to welcome you. If you're looking for a church, if you're here for the first time, we want to say welcome. We love you. I hope you find this to be a place of, of, of peace and love and kindness. Uh, we, we just want to extend Christ's love to you. I am particularly excited this morning. Um, you know, as, as I was standing in the back, I'm going to start to cry and I'm going to start now. My mom and dad walked in, and it's huge. To me, it's huge. And I just want to say, Mom, Dad, I love you. Thank you for coming. I know you. they didn't drive 15 minutes to come to church. They drove two hours to come to church this morning, so I just want to thank them for coming. So this morning, I'm standing before you, and I'm wearing, you know, we have to find out what our purpose is in life. And I'm wearing a shirt that's very dear to me. I picked this shirt up about nine years ago. I was coaching at a school called Alameda Middle School, and it was, it was located on, down, down on, the, on the east side of town. And I coached there, and I'm just going to get into a little bit of a story what happened. Um, I was watching my daughter as she was playing basketball. It was one of the sports that she was liking to play. Unfortunately, the coach didn't feel or think like I did, okay? When, when the kids were on that court, 
She wasn't encouraging them. She wasn't lifting them up. She was shouting profanity at them. She was telling them as they sat down on the bench how bad they were, that they were a disgrace, that they were embarrassing her. And I was livid. I was, I was upset. I said, the first thing I said to my wife is, I'm going to go talk to that athletic director, and I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. Well, I went over there, and I went up in him, and I told him this and this and this. And he looked at me straight in the face and said, instead of being part of the problem, why don't you be part of the solution? I have an opening for boys' basketball that nobody wants to take. If you really care that much about these kids, I'll see you here for boys' basketball season. And that's how I applied for the position I took at Alameda. And as I took this position, I began to realize I was not very good at it. I stunk as a coach. And that's no lie. That's no lie. I'm going to tell you, in the past four years, God has been so good. Nothing on me. It's not about me. I, I've got great coaches like Tom. Where's Tom Montoya at? All right. I've got great coaches like Tom Montoya that have showed me really what being a coach is. See, for the past four years, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna to give you the highlight of my coaching career right now, okay? Um, for the past four years, I've coached a girls' basketball team two years at DeVargas Middle School. Then I got moved over to Milagro Middle School. I coached there for two years. In, those four, in these four combined years, it was one right after, one right after another four years, back to back, we have been city champions. We went, three of the, we went two of those years undefeated. My record with the girls' basketball team in the last four years is 56-3. and three. I've only lost three games with the girls' team in the past four years. But I'm not, now I'm going to give you my lows. When I first started coaching, I went many seasons without a win. I went many seasons not understanding why God had called me into this. I felt like I was ill-equipped. Like I didn't have anything to offer these kids. I knew how to play basketball, but that's all I knew how to do. I didn't know the ins and outs. I didn't know the strategies. But little by little, God began to develop a gift within me. The more I, as scary as it was, the more I put my heart into it, the more I leaned on God, it became easier and easier and easier. And I realized halfway through that the wins and the losses didn't matter. They only mattered to, to man. What really mattered was what I was pouring into these young men and young women that I was coaching. I realized that it took time for me to go and instruct them and love them. And when they would walk in the, when they would walk in the auditorium and the gymnasium, I knew them so well that if they had had a hard day, I could see it immediately. I would go right over to where they were at and see how their day was. And many times... I would have to say, you know what, it's okay. Why don't you go ahead and sit this out, sit, this out, sit down. When you feel better, come and join us. Because I understood it was more about winning. I mean, more about teaching than winning. This past year, I, I had a team, and I, and, I, and, I, and I lift up Tom Montoya because I had a team that he coached last year. As I watched him coach, I saw how he strategized, how he put into these girls. He was there countless hours. He was there on the weekends pouring into them, making, developing this team and to be one of the best teams that we, I've seen in middle school in many, many years. 
Unfortunately, Tom didn't come back. And I got to sit back and take the team for him. And I will honestly say, any one of you in here could have coached that team and they would have won a championship for you because these girls were that good. They loved the sport that they played. They came to practice and they knew that the way that we practice is the way that we play. And the more they practiced, they wanted to be the best that they could. Every game, if you ever saw my games, every game I was sitting down, legs crossed, arms crossed, just enjoying the show because they were going back and forth. They would press they would play defense. They could score threes. They could score underneath. It was amazing to see these girls play. They all knew that they, each one of them had a purpose in the team. Each one of them had an ability that we could draw off of. And they began to do one of the most wonderful things I had ever seen any team do is I didn't even need to tell them when to go in, what to do. The only time I ever called a timeout, and this is not, this is the truth, the only time I called a timeout the whole season was to tell the girls, okay, that's enough. We need to give the other team a chance. I would not like to be in their position right now. Stand back in defense. Put your hands up. Let them score. Give them a chance. And it's hard, as competitive as they were, it was hard for them to pull back and give the other team a chance. I would see them out there catching the ball, and it's like they caught it, and they felt so bad. They, some of them, you know, they, they would just like slow down and wait for their team to get down. It was really something to see when a team works so well, when everybody knows their purpose and everyone knows their ability. If, if, if you would this morning, will you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12? We're going to start in verse 1 through 3. The Bible says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight, and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such as hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary and faint-hearted. I have a video I want to share with you guys this morning. And so if you just, the guys in the back, if you can cue it up. Sorry for the quality. There's some volume on that. If you can please turn it up. CIT here in third place as DCU set off at a strong pace as UCC looked good in fifth and looked like they were passing DCU into fourth place. The big battle here is for second column. It is. It's between Cork and that oh, is I UL at the moment. Soon. CIT and UL, but it can. The UCL it is fading, and Michelle Finn to turbo blast rejects of the steeple chase specialist are being turned on with 2:50 to go. Eight meters to get there. Six meters. Oh, five UL meters. She is going to go past the UCL. It is out on her feet. Michelle Finn, the future Olympian, powers on by. Here comes CIT. Another effort in the home stretch. And here comes UCC. I think we're going to get third. You see from the depths of hell are pouring through. Oh, Michelle Finn is dying. Here comes UCC. Here comes UCC on the outside as well. And it's the leading of UCC. Finn's going to make it. It's unbelievable. Michelle Finn. She's out on her feet. God, it's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. Finn what You know, I saw that. And as a coach, right away, there's, there's things that I saw that were done incorrectly, okay? I'm not a college coach, but number one, when you're running a relay, 
I, I, I would assume every coach knows that you start off with one of your strongest runners. You have two runners in between that you call your pace runners. And at the very end, you have your anchor. You want your anchor to be the fastest kid on the block, okay? You want that anchor to be able to turn it on. You want to pour into them. I'll take my anchor and track, and I'll tell them, you know what? Okay, here's what we're going to do. I just want you to look at the track. I don't want you turning sideways. I just want you to focus on that track. Focus on the goal. Focus on the finish line. Don't start off strong. Everybody's going to pass you when you start off strong. Pace yourself. Pace yourself. And once we hit the halfway mark, I want you to start turning it on. I want you to turn it on. And once we hit that three-quarters mark, I want you to full-out sprint. And when I first started coaching track, I didn't know a single thing about it. But I had a good coach that mentored me and taught me. And it became one of the sports that I was probably the best at. I uh, won more, I think, more trophies in track than I won in any other sport. We had some really good teams. It was strategic. Even, even in that video, you don't see it, but there's a baton in there that gets passed from runner to runner. This is how strategic track is. We spend hours and days just working on how the correct technique for passing the baton from one runner to another. If we can show them and teach them, and we can shave off even just a second of the time just by correctly passing off the baton, then we're ready to go to the track meet. We're ready to perform when it comes to an audience. You see, what happens being a coach is that one thing I realize, the spectators, the fans just get to see us in that one game. But they don't understand the countless hours of training and discipline that go into every sport that their child or athlete is running. Literally, I take a whole practice, two whole practices, just teaching the kids how to correctly pass the baton off. Doesn't seem very big to many, but it's a, it is critical when we're on that field that we know exactly, you know exactly how to stand to receive it, how to give it, that we don't drop it, because once we drop it, if it goes into another lane, we're disqualified. This one's kind of beat up. As you can tell, it's not, my, it's not the best baton. This is a practice baton. We dropped this many times. It's been stepped on. It's been, it's been dropped countless times. We have to understand that in order to get the victories, in order to get where God wants us to get, we need to take that time practicing. We need to take that time in prayer. We need to take that time developing the skills that we're going to use out in the streets, in our job places, in our wherever God has called you, we've got to develop those skills. I want to go real quick to our next in, in order to endure in order to have endurance and endure a race, we all have to have four things. We have to understand the race we are running. We have to understand our goal. We have to understand our purpose. And we have to understand our abilities. If we can conquer those four things, if we can understand our purpose, our goals, our abilities, and the race that we're running, we're going to be okay. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 says, My son, 
Do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faith, faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will make, your, your, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh, to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first of your fruits of all you produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves those who he loves as a father the son in whom he delights. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. Going back to verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean in your own understanding. I've noticed something when it comes to a track team. My wife's really good. She really helps me with this and I appreciate her for this. Whenever track, whenever track season's coming up, I'm already scouting. I'm already out there looking to see who I want on the team, who's got abilities that I'm looking for. And I'll go up to some big guy and say, hey, dude, come on. You want to join the track team? I'm coaching. I would love to have you on my team. First response I get, I hate running. I'm like, dude, that's okay. Look, I, have, I, I guarantee you, I don't need you to run. I don't need you for your speed. I need you for your muscles. And man, right away, he's like, all right. Tell me a little bit more about this. Then I'll go and I'll see someone that necessarily isn't really fast, but man, they can leap. You ever seen those people that, man, they jump up and it's like they can jump over your head if they wanted to? And I look at them and I'm like, wow, I, I want that guy on my team. Same thing. Hey, you want to join the track team? I, I, I've got a position that I need you to fill. Coach, I hate running. I don't need you to run. I need you to jump. Oh, I can jump. And he, right away, he started demonstrating how high he can go. I, I, I can touch a backboard. I can grab the rim. I'm like, perfect. That's exactly what I need. Then I look at those, that, and, and, and a lot of times I've been able to see them through basketball season, how fast they are, how much endurance they have. And I go around, and I start getting everybody I can. And, I, and, and I, the first thing I have to do is I have to make them believe in what I'm selling. I have to show them that I want them to be a part of what I have. I, I, I'll pull all... Uh, bar down, I'll pull everything out, show them all my trophies, dude, look, watch, come to the office with me, check out all these trophies, you want one of these? And, and, I, and I'm just making it so that they, they and I got to have, I have to make them believe in my vision, I have to make them believe in what we can accomplish as a team. Once I've got them in, you know, sometimes, this is kind of funny, sometimes we don't understand ourselves. We see something and we're, op we try to operate in the wrong purpose or abilities that we have. I'm going to give you an example. If I was a football player, all the men will understand this. If I was a football player, number one, I'm slow. Number two, I can't jump very high. 
the only thing God's given me that I can really use is I'm six foot tall, 235 pounds, and you come at me, I'm going to take you down. Okay? I understand that the, the position that I would fill in football would either be the offensive line or the defensive line. I couldn't be the running back. I couldn't be the wide receiver. I couldn't be the safety. I couldn't be the quarterback. My arm's not good enough, doesn't throw that far. I have to understand where my ability and where my purpose on a team would be. Now for you girls. A few years ago, I walked into a Hollister. I had, I had, I had, I had a pretty big youth group. There's this, all my kids are walking in wearing Hollister, Hollister polos. And I'm thinking, wow, they look really nice. And I want to be like a part of them. And I, I, you know, I kind of want to fit in with the crowd. I don't want to look like an old man if I'm with the 16 and, and, and 14 and 13-year-olds. So I kind of want to fit in with the crowd. And I tell my wife, let's go shopping. And she's all, okay. Walk into Hollister. And, I, and I'm like, this is what I want. I, I, in my mind, I, I have the guy picture how good he looks. And I'm thinking, I'm going to look that good too. And I go to the back, I go to the fitting room, I tell my wife, give me an extra large, and I'm looking at, I like that one, that one, that one. Go to the back, put that polo shirt on, can't even get it past my neck. I'm like, uh, first thing I said, this is not a lie, honey, you grab me a small, get me an extra large, please. Then, she comes back, and now, now I'm ready, I'm going to put this sucker on, I'm going to look good. Wait, it doesn't even go past my neck. I finally get that thing down. I look like a chorizo. I mean, there's bulges coming out everywhere. I'm like, what the world happened here? I have to realize I do not need to be shopping in the young athletic fit section. I need to be shopping in the plus size section. And sometimes in life we're trying to get into, we see someone else doing really well. We see someone prospering at what they do. And we try to be like them. When God never created us to be like them, God created us to be us. He created me to be me. He didn't create me to be Pastor Ron. He didn't create me to be anyone else but me. And when I'm comfortable with my own skin, and I'm comfortable with my own abilities, and I understand the purpose God has for me, then and only then will God be able to use me. Because as long as I'm trying to be Pastor Ron, I will never, ever fit the bill. But when I try to be Edward, I'm good at being Edward. I make mistakes all the time. I correct mistakes all the time. I know my faults. I know my weaknesses. I'm good at being Edward. Just like you guys are. We have to understand. Know where you are. A, a big part of our purpose and our ability is knowing who we are in Christ, knowing what we're called to do, where we're called to fit into the kingdom. Amen. You guys awake out there? All right. By the way, you saw that. I don't know if you saw the video, but I love what the, what the lady announcer said at the end. From the depths of hell, here comes UTC. And man, she's just running and she runs by everybody. When I first saw that video, I thought the, the girl in second or third place was going to overcome it. Not knowing that the girl that was in very last place came around and, where's Jason at? Man, that reminded me of your testimony yesterday. I don't know if you've had the opportunity to listen to his testimony. If you ever have a chance to listen to Jason's testimony, if we ever share it here in church, you got to buy tickets and come. That is a good testimony. I'm telling you what. And I could just see, from the depths of hell, here comes Jason. 
and he's just, boom, just flying by everyone. I'm like, wow, cheering him on. I don't know. One of the best parts about being a track coach is that everyone on that team is my kid. I'm going to be out there. They're coming around the finish line. I'm all, go, go, come on, you got it. And I'm just like, I'm their biggest fan. I'm like, and, and, and when they begin to hear that cheering and when they begin to hear that excitement, I see them. They're like, man, just, and then they hear their name. And man, they just start picking it up, picking it up, picking it up. Before you know it, I'm like, wow, you're there, you're there. And boom, we just took first place. And I'm like, yeah. We all run to them and cheer together. It's just so exciting when we can come together as a team and cheer one another on and lift up one another, not criticize, hey, well, you're running so slow. What's wrong with that? When we run, it's, it's called a relay. When we run a relay, we understand it's a team effort. We've got to be out there. I, I strategically place my players on the outsides of the place that when they see that guy coming by, they're going to cheer him on. They're going to call his name. I tell them, call his name as loud as you can. Let him know you're there. They call their name, and man, you can just see them picking it up, picking it up, picking it up. Don't we serve God better? Don't we feel more useful when someone is calling out your name, waiting for you to be great in God? Amen? Is it just me? Am I the only one that when somebody says, uh, I'm, you know, I always glory and honor to God. But I'll tell you what, man. Deep down inside, I'm like, yeah. I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. Because I'm so excited at what God's going to do. You guys still in me? With me? All right. Now, okay, I have time. Now, track is a team effort. I want you guys to get this down. It's never about me as a coach. All I do is direct. I, I believe my wife and I have a purpose. I know what our purpose is. I, I really know what our purpose is. When I, when, when I went into being a coach, I, it was just out of necessity. Now that I've done it 15 years later, I know that God has called me to purposefully be a coach. I have people asking me all the time, well, why are you still coaching? Because I love the kids. Because I want to make a difference in someone's life. I don't like getting home at 6.30 at night when I, left at four, when, when I wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning. But I love being with those kids. I love pouring into them. I love being able to make a difference in their life. After they've made the team, the first thing I tell them is, guys, my name's Coach Romero. I want to tell you we're going to be together for the next two months. I promise you this. I will respect you and love you. I will do all I can to push you to be your very best. I'm learning just like you are. If I make a mistake or you make a mistake, let's forgive each other and move on. We're here today together as a team. Look to your right and to your left. These are your brothers and your sisters for the next two months. We will honor and respect each other. I will not tolerate bullying. I will not tolerate picking on one another. I will not tolerate disrespecting one another. We are in this together. 
Today we make a pact as a team that we're going to do the best we can, whether we win or whether we lose. Every time we come off that field, we are a family. I will be here for you whenever you need me. Give them my number. If you ever need anything, call me. I don't care what time it is. If you need something, call me. If you need to talk, call me. I love sports, but I love you more. That's my speech at the start of every season. And eventually the boys and girls buy into my way of thinking. Have a, we just had a banquet the other night. Walked in, hadn't seen my girls, hadn't seen these girls in three months, four months. Second, they saw me coach around me. Coach, I love you. Coach, I love you. I've missed you. Coach, I love you. I love you too. I love you too. Isn't it amazing when God begins to move and gives you purpose and gives you abilities that you didn't even know you have and you can begin to make the difference in the lives of young people or old people? I realize now, even now, my purpose is not just young people. I want, God is moving me. I understand God is moving me. I'm in charge of men's breakfast, and I see the men coming in, and man, I just move with compassion for them. I love them so much. I want to help them in anything they're going through. I know we struggle with sin. I know we struggle in our marriages. I know we struggle with finances. And you're not alone. You've got a friend in the business. I'll pray with you. I'll lift you up. I'll show you how to pray. I will take time and teach you how to read your word. Because that's what God has called me to do. That's what God has called my wife and I to do. The thing is, is there in no way, there in no way, as I read the word of God, there just cannot be one Coach Romero. I'm looking at a room full of coaches. Whether we teach the, the elderly, the children, our neighbors, our coworkers, whatever it is, we need to understand there is so much more to our calling than we can ever understand. See, so many people will tell me, well, I don't have that ability. I can't do what you can do. I understand that. But God will teach you. Didn't, didn't, didn't God say in Matthew, oh, I'm jumping ahead of my time. We're going to go, we're going to, we're going to go, uh, actually, we're already there. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 through 20. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. All nations. Santa Fe, Española, Pahuaca, Arizona, Canada, Israel, Palestine, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
Church, it's time that we get off the bench and get into the game. There are people out there that are dying and hurting, ready to give up, ready to turn. There are some people out there ready to commit suicide. Others that have turned their life over to drugs looking for fulfillment. Others that are addicted to sins like pornography, alcoholism. Others that have been through divorce or going through divorce. There are so many needs in our cities, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces. We need to be the coaches. We need to be the word of encouragement. We need to be God's word in a heart, heartless, dark generation. We need to be the light on a hill that cannot be hid. We need to see others through God's eyes because there are so many that are looking at them through human eyes, pointing the fingers, casting shame and guilt on our neighbors, on our friends, on those that we love. And yet God has given us the gifts and abilities to be his arms, to be his hands. You don't have to do it perfectly. God didn't call me, when I got called into sports, I didn't get called to win championships. That was never the purpose that I know God called me into. When I got called into sports, it was to make a difference in the lives of a 14-year-old or 13-year-old. To be a life coach. To be someone that they could call in times of need. I do work for the public schools. And God put me in there that when someone needs prayer, I am not going to be ashamed and I am going to hold their hand and I am going to pray with them and pray over them. We had the opportunity last Thursday as I found out that one of the parents in our in my basketball one of the parents of one of the girls on our basketball team in the time that basketball ended to the night of the banquet this man had come up with colon cancer lost all kinds of weight. My purpose was not to be there joking and laughing. My wife and I looked at each other. We knew why God had had us there. We waited till the end. Can we pray with you? Held hands with him, laid hands on him, and prayed over his life, prayed healing over his life, prayed God's deliverance over his life. We have to know we have purpose, and we need to walk in our purpose. We need to walk in our abilities that God has given us. Because in the end, God says, I send you to all nations. Isn't that what he's telling each and every one of us? He says to some are teachers, some are prophets, some are evangelists. But the one thing he said to everyone is, you are to go into the world teaching, discipling. The word of God says, Paul wrote this in Timothy, to some they plant. He said, I, Paul, I plant. Apollos waters and God, and God does all the rest. God doesn't need me to bring healing in their life. God doesn't need me to bring correction in their life. God just needs me to plant or to water. The rest is up to him. When we realize that we're not called to save someone, we're not called to be their answer to prayer, 
But when we, real, we realize that we are called to bring them to the very throne of God, and he, and he alone does every miracle in their lives and meets their needs and brings healing upon their bodies to those that are sick, then that takes the burden off of me because I now know that I don't have to heal, I don't have to deliver, and I don't, all I have to do is be obedient to God. The Word of God says in James chapter this, faith without works is dead. How can we say we have faith in God when we won't even go out and do something for God? We won't even open our homes and give a Bible study. We won't even tell someone about the goodness of God, how God has healed you, how God has touched you, how good God is and blessed your finances. We all have a testimony. We've all been through hard times. We've all had failures. We've all sinned. And yet, when you sin and God takes you out and God extends his hand and says, Son, I'm right here. I'm not here to point fingers at you. The Bible says, I will remove your sin as far as the east is from the west, never to bring it to remembrance again. He loves us just the way we are. I don't need to change for God to love me. Amen? We don't have to change for God to love us. He loves us just the way we are. He'll use you with abilities you don't even know you have. Because you see, I can, I can picture God in heaven and he's creating me. And you know, he's got his little USB cable plugged into me because I'm, I'm a computer guy, so this is how I think. Got a little USB cable plugged into me and he's programming me exactly how he wants me to do what I need to do. He's putting everything that I need, you know, writing lines of programming and just putting it all into me. And says, wow, this guy's going to be amazing. I have him. He's going to be a coach. He's going to teach middle school students. He's going to, he's going to, and then I'm going to move him on to men's ministry. And then I'm going to move him on to adults. And I'm going to move him, and, and, and God already has a plan. God's got this plan. And the thing is that some of us, we're working outside of our purpose. We're working outside of our plans because we don't, we, we don't realize what the Word of God says. The Word of God says, ask. See, if you don't know your purpose yet, you really need to listen to what God says. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Which of you, when you're looking for something, I'm paraphrasing here, when you're looking for something, you don't turn the whole house upside down looking for it. You won't stop until you find it. That's how we need to seek the purpose that God has in our life. Because I'm going to tell you something. When you, when you reach that place, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that it's not hard. It's hard. When you're walking in God's purpose, it's hard. It costs you time. There are many times that I've wanted to go see my parents, but because of the responsibilities I have here in my coaching and what I do, I have, I have to stay away sometimes because I know it, when God calls you to do something, sometimes there's a cost. But the thing about God is that when he, when he gives you the cost, he replaces it with joy and peace and love and understanding. And I tell you what, it doesn't matter how hard my day was when I walk home through those doors, I've got a loving wife at home. I've got a roof over my head. I've got money in the bank account. And God has been good to me. My heart is overjoyed. There's peace in my life. There's love in my life. 
and I know and I have a relationship with an almighty God. I don't know about God. There's a difference between knowing about God and there's a difference of knowing who God is. I tell you right now, we celebrated just a couple of Sundays ago, God is alive. Jesus is alive. He is not dead. If you're talking to him like he's dead, you need to realize that he is alive. He talks to me. He listens to me. He loves me. He embraces me. He tells me, go, go, go. And then he corrects me as well. I realize there's times on that field where, I have, where something went wrong and I got to tell the guy, hey, listen, what happened back there? That handoff was terrible. I didn't like it. It took too much time. What did you do wrong? And they began telling me what's wrong. Okay, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to practice and we're going to work on it all over again. I have kids that are, running the, that are running the hurdles and the hurdles look like they're kind of easy, but they're not because if you don't jump correctly, you hit your foot on a hurdle, you're going to face plant. And I've seen kids... Bust knees, bust heads. It's something that you've got to know how to do. I will not put a kid, if a kid can't, pass, can't cross a hurdle with more than six inches, I'm not going to let them run the hurdles because they're going to get hurt. And then, I don't, you know, I'm old, older. I'm not as young. My body tells me I'm not as young as I used to be anymore, believe it or not. It speaks to me sometimes. When I try doing something, it says, uh-uh, don't ever try that again. You try that again. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not playing with you no more. <laughs> I had to fall down and, and show you that I, that I can't do what I can anymore. So I'll take videos and, and, and I'll take time and I show them the videos. Okay, this is, this is a proper technique. This is what we need to do. We're so fortunate. We've developed such good relationship with our past players. We'll bring players from the high school in. And they'll actually show the kids, I can't do no triple jump. I jump three feet and that's a far for me, okay? And these guys got to jump seven, ten feet. They got to do a triple jump of like 21 feet. And I can't show them. I can, I can give them a screen and show them what to do. But then when sometimes you actually need to be shown. You guys know what I'm saying? Somebody, isn't it better when someone actually teaches you and walks you through how to do it and for, instead of just telling you, well, this is what you do. No. And we bring in players from the high school that played for us and they come in. They're all excited because they get to show everybody, you know, how good they are. And they, they're, out, they're making my kids look really funny because they, can't, they don't got the distance. They don't got the height. They don't run as fast as, as the kids coming from the high school. And they're excited to see it. They're excited to train them. They're excited to be taught. We'll show videos. We'll take time. And, and it does. It takes personal time. Hey, listen, look. I just recorded you right now. Look what you did wrong right here. You need to correct this. If you don't correct this, you're going to lose every single time. This is taking two seconds off your time. I don't know if you guys know this, but a 100-yard a dash for middle school time, this is not middle school time, normally right around 13 to 14 seconds. Is what middle, as they get older, they get faster. And I always have that moment where I see this one poor guy Coach, I want to run the 100 because it looks so easy. I mean, you're just running from here to here and it's done. It's done. If you guys know, if you've ever seen a short sprint, the 100-meter dash, it's done quickly. Boom, boom. 10 seconds, 14 seconds, you're done. You, nobody wants to do the 1,600-meter run, okay? You guys know what the 16-meter run is? That's the one-mile run. Four times around the track. If you don't know how to pace yourself, you're going to kill yourself. If you don't start off slow, I always see kids. I always see, there, there's always those kids, man. It's like, oh, man, I know, um, what? halfway through, I know he's, he's going to stop and walk. I just know he's going to, because he starts off like full speed. And then by the second lap, <laughs> coach, I can't do that. Coach, that's not mine. But you have that one kid that, man, everybody's passing him. And he's just watching him. And he's just like right at a comfortable pace. 
first lap, second lap, third lap, he starts picking it up. Before I know it, he's in front of everyone. Fourth lap, he's like going full speed. I'm like, that is exactly, that is exactly how you run that. Great job. The rest of you need to learn that. And, and, but there's that one kid that I always watch. I'm competitive. All the kids always ask me if I want to race them, and I'm like, I know how slow I am, but there's that one kid, there's that one kid that every time I do times on the 100, he comes in like at 22 seconds. Oh, man, I got this. I got this. I'm like, hey, I'll race you. I get excited. I'm ready. I'm stretching and doing my little jumps, and, and he's like, coach, I'm going to take you out. Yeah, right. Oh, so he is <laughs> running 22 seconds. I start running with him. Five seconds later, he's like way in front of me. I'm like, what the world's happening here? This is the slowest kid on the track team. How did he just pass me? Then I realized that I'm not as young as I used to be. And the thing is, this should bring us joy. I, I, I know that Pastor Ron is our pastor, and I know his heart. Guaranteed, when he sees the members of this church standing up and coming out of the benches and running the race that is set before them, when they know their purpose and they know their ability and they know their calling and they're running that race, we don't get threatened. We get excited for what God is going to do through your life. We get excited to see how God is going to use you to minister to those that need God. I'm going to end, I'm going to end, I'm going to end with, with this, Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from the beginning, from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Listen to this. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. You know what, church? I'll be honest with you. We're not spending enough time in practice. We're not getting down the Word of God. We're not reading the Word of God and putting it in our hearts. We're not eating up the Word of God. Because if we're eating up the Word of God, if you begin to, to read the Word of God, it says, my people perish, not because they're not good, not because they can't, but because they lack knowledge. When we, don't la when we lack knowledge, we lack understanding. How am I going to stand against an enemy that wants to bring me down, that will kill me any opportunity he gets? Check this out. I'm finishing up. When I feel insufficient, we've got to put on the full armor of God daily. We need to understand that he gave us the helmet of salvation, the breastplate, the, the belt, the shoes for defense, the shield for defense. But man, the word of God says that he gave me the sword, which is the word of God. The sword, which is the word of God, to combat the enemy and fight against him. Because when the enemy comes and tells me, dude, you are insufficient. You will never amount to anything. The word of God says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When the enemy comes at me and tells me, you are sick, God will never heal you. That's it. You're dead. The Bible says, but I will restore to you health 
and heal your wounds, declares the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 17. When I'm weak and I'm scared and I don't know what to do, this is what God's word says. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When we're in need, when, when you have the knowledge of God's word, there's no getting you down. Jesus Christ, when he was in the desert and he was fasting, the enemy came to him and tried to bring him down. Oh, yeah? Well, you're the son of God. He's fasting. If you really are the son of God, make yourself a bread of loaf. A, a, a bread of loaf. A loaf of bread. And he says, he quotes the scripture to him. Understand, this is knowledge. This is understanding. The word of God says that man does not live by every, lives on, somebody help me. Let's see. Come on, church. Help me out here. Thank you. The, the Word of God says we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Amen? Listen up. When I'm in need, Philippians chapter 4, verse 9 says this, And my God will meet your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ. You see, if we have the knowledge of who God is and what He is to us, we can never fail. But when you don't have that knowledge, church, we have, church, have we been studying our word? Have we been practicing? We take hours and hours and hours practicing for one single game. How, how many hours have you put into practicing into giving one Bible study or giving a word of encouragement to someone? It doesn't come just because you want it to come. It comes through development. There's a process to get where you want to be. There's that process that we need to go through. And we need to be in our secret closets in prayer. We need to be dug into our word. We need to be speaking the words over our lives that we've just read. Knowing that when the enemy comes at me, hey, I've got a scripture for that. Get thee behind me saying, you are a liar. Greater is my God who lives in me than anything you can ever bring my way. Will you all stand up with me? We're going to get ready for communion. But I just want to, I just want to pray over. I just want to pray over you. Um, I know that we don't have the time right now. But here's what I want to do. After we take communion, I want our elders and our ministers and our prayer ministers to find a place on the side. Because I believe God has spoken to some of you today. And we want to pray with you. The Bible says that there is a spirit, God's spirit, that will come over us and empower us and give us powers beyond our understanding that we can overcome the tactics of the enemy, the sin in our lives, that we can be lifted up to do a work for God, not on our own strength but on his strength. And we want to take time and pray with you. I'm going to close in prayer. Pastor's going to come up. And we all bow our heads and go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come before your presence, dear God. I pray, Lord, that today your word has spoken life into our hearts and minds. I pray, Lord, that we would not just be hearers of your word, dear God, but, Lord, that we would rise up out of the benches, Lord, that we would stop being spectators 
and begin to take action in what you have called us to do, Lord. Let us be your players, Lord. Let us be your coaches, dear God, Lord. Help us, Lord, to reach a hurting and dying world, dear God. I pray, dear God, that the spirit, that your spirit would come alive in our hearts and in our minds, Lord, that when we would lay hands on the sick, they would be healed, dear God. When we would lay hands on those that are oppressed, dear God, Lord, that you would break those chains of bondage. I thank you for every individual in this room. I pray your blessing over them, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would teach us your purpose for our lives, dear God, Lord. For those that do not know their purpose, teach them the purpose of our lives. Thank you for your unconditional love, for a love that does not make sense. You loved me when I was yet a sinner. You forgave me in the deepest, darkest hours of my life. I thank you, Lord. You are holy and you are worthy. Everyone says amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Edward. Great word this morning. So we, um, a couple of weeks ago, what was that last week, Easter? I'm losing track of time, two weeks ago, yeah. We, uh, we talked about this passage of scripture from uh, Luke 24, about these two men that were on the way to Emmaus, um, Cleophas, and the other guy doesn't even have a name. Um, but they're walking along the road. Uh, Emmaus is about seven miles from uh, Jerusalem. They're walking away. They're, uh, this is the, the first day of the week, the kind of later on in the day, the first day of the week. And um, they're downcast. They're discouraged. Uh, you know, this is uh, Jesus had been crucified three days earlier. And um, they were disappointed in life and hurting and broken because they had hoped that Jesus would be the liberator, the Messiah, the one that would set them free from the tyranny of Rome. And uh, Jesus just all of a sudden, he shows up on this walk. And um, it said that he was, his, his person or who he was, was hidden from them. They didn't recognize him as Jesus. And so uh, it says that as they walked along, uh, along the road, it says that Jesus said to them, you know, you know, why is it that you're so slow of heart to believe all the things that the scriptures had spoken about the Messiah? And it says that he began to walk them through and explain to them, you know, the messianic promises that were written probably started in Genesis chapter 3 about how... Um, that Jesus would crush the head of Satan. He would bruise, Satan would bruise his heels. Jesus would crush his head. Walked him through all of the scriptures. And then they come, they arrive to Emmaus and Jesus acts as though he's going to pass on and continue to go. But they, they, they begged him to stay and spend the night with them. And they were going to have their evening meal. And it says that as Jesus took the bread and he broke it, or he opened it, that their eyes were open. 
their eyes were open. Remember that Jesus said that he was the bread of heaven, that if anyone would eat of him, they would never hunger again. They knew everything that he had said to them were scriptures that they knew. Paul says in Ephesians, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that your understanding would be open. But I'm reminded of this scripture from Job. At the end of Job, I think it's in chapter 42, he says, my ears, my ears have, have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And that's the way that these two guys were. They'd heard of all of these things, but in the breaking of the bread, their eyes were open and they were able to see that Jesus wasn't just a stranger walking along the road with them, that this was the Messiah. This was the Son of the living God. This was the Lamb of God that was taking away the sins of the world. So this morning that, you know, as we come around, and I'm going to ask you to come and, and uh, take the, uh, the bread and the cup and then go back to your seat, and then we'll pray and we'll partake together. But I'm praying that the eyes of our understanding will be open this morning, that we'll see Jesus in just a little bit different light than we saw him in yesterday, that the eyes of our understanding would be open this morning. So I encourage you to come on and just kind of come in a counterclockwise manner and uh, take the cup and take the bread and go back to your seat. We'll partake together.
so when the Apostle Paul was called, you know, he was uh, adamantly opposed to Christianity, to the way, and he was on his way to Damascus, and he has an encounter with Jesus, what I like to call that Damascus Road experience, not just a, you know, a feel-good fuzzy feeling, but the encounter that he had changed his life forever. And God said to him, he said, Paul, I am sending you to the Gentiles, he says, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to the power of God, that they would receive forgiveness and an inheritance among those that are saved. So this morning as we partake of the what is representative of the the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, and Paul was giving this instruction to the church at Corinth, he said, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he just said, this is my body, which is broken for you. It's uh, symbolic of the beating, the scourging. Somebody said, you know, we love to talk about Easter, but we kind of skip over what Jesus had to get to to get to the resurrection. He had to go through the mocking, through the trial, through the suffering, this body that was broken for all of us. We partake of the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said in the same manner he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. What can wash away my sins? Come on, church. What can wash away my sins? What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. We partake of the cup that washes away our sins. As Edward mentioned that we're going to close, but after the service, we'll have our leadership standing up front here. Frank and Arlene, I think, are back in the back. Frank, if you just raise your hand up. I'm going to have you stand on the chair <laughs> because Frank is like Zacchaeus. He loves Jesus is what I'm trying to say. But if, you, if, if, you're, if you're beginning your walk with Jesus Christ, Frank has got a, a new believers class, he and his wife, Arlene. Come on up here, Frank. I want people to see you. And I'll have you climb the sycamore tree right here. You gotta give it up for Frank. You gotta love this man right here. So, if you've just recently received the Lord, maybe you received the Lord in the service this morning. You know, Frank and Arlene want to talk to you. They'll share some words of instruction with you and encourage you in your walk with the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Frank. So, Heavenly Father, we want to just say that we love you. We bless you this morning. We ask that you would fill us with your love and with your Holy Spirit. God, we just uh, are excited to be in your presence. We pray that the eyes of our understanding would not only be open this morning, but throughout this week. God, that you would use us, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and send us to those that are lost and hurting and broken, that we may, may be that, that fresh breath of heaven, that we could breathe on them and breathing life into those that are broken and hurting, those that are in darkness, those that are dying. God, give us those words of life. We ask this thing in Jesus' name. And God's people lifted up a shout and said, our God is good. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. We'll see you next week.
Everybody, if you missed announcements today, they should be up in a second. And there's also tacos outside for anybody that are, we're raising, uh, we're raising funds for camp. So if you buy a taco. Can you hear me? Test. Our mics are off. Hey, Mike, turn it up. Test, 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 test. Hello. What's up, guys? Hey, there's just to let you know, there's going to be Indian tacos served in the foyer. If you want to support our youth and help us go to camp, please go ahead and get one. You're going to be really tasty. The Light of Mission Viejo Spanish Church has invited the Light Women on Saturday, May 11th at 4 p.m. for a night of worship, games, and a teaching by Melissa Romero. This is a fundraiser to help raise money for the new addition of our building. The Light is opening a young adults ministry. This will be kicking off on May 18th at 7 o'clock. The ages are 18 through 35. Come that Saturday and enjoy some games, food, and great fellowship. Looking ahead, on June 5th, we have a six-week Bible study entitled, The God I Never Knew. This will be an in-depth study of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, and enjoy the rest of your service. Good morning and welcome to the light. Ain't no valley flow, ain't no river wide enough. 
The Light of Mission Viejo Spanish Church has invited the Light Women on Saturday, May 11th at 4 p.m. for a night of worship, games, and a teaching by Melissa Romero. This is a fundraiser to help raise money for the new addition of our building. The Light is opening a young adults ministry. This will be kicking off on May 18th at 7 o'clock. The ages are 18 through 35. Come that Saturday and enjoy some games, food, and great fellowship. Looking ahead, on June 5th, we have a six-week Bible study entitled, The God I Never Knew. This will be an in-depth study of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, and enjoy the rest of your service.